Hello. My name is Reverend Lily Kiva Brown. I'm a Shusa with the Order of the Dragonfly. That means that I'm a priest in training. I'm currently in, in the seminary with the Blue Lotus School of Mindfulness, which is where Osho Brad has graduated. You'll notice that I'm wearing something slightly different than what Osho Brad wears. That's because I'm still cooking. Um, the topic today is Courageous and Contagious Compassion. And this is a topic I borrowed from a sermon that I gave at the Unitarian Church of Harrisburg in October of 2022. That sermon was entitled Courageous Compassion. And you may know compassion as a feeling you experience when you have empathy or perhaps pity for another being. In my study of the Dharma, I've learned a new definition that I feel compelled to adopt for myself. Compassion is a verb. It's an action word. Compassion is the action we take to enact love in the world. It is empathy in the motion. It's a feeling of connection to the all. Sometimes the all is the universe and sometimes the all is the person you push out of the way of a moving vehicle. Buddhist philosopher, peace builder, and educator Daisaku Aikida says, courage and compassion are two sides of the same coin. Compassion without courage is not genuine. You may have compassionate thought or impulse, but if you don't do or say anything, it's not real compassion. In Buddhist theory, our true selves lead with compassion. When we are compassionate first and contemplative later, we are acting from the part of ourselves that is always at its best. I'd like to further discuss the idea of courageous and potentially contagious compassion with some examples. The first I'd like to talk about happened, I believe, in the summer of 2022. There was a baseball game for teenage boys. The pitcher accidentally hit the batter, I believe in the head, um, and the batter, and the, I'm sorry, and the pitcher was absolutely devastated and began to cry. The batter responded by walking onto the pitcher's mound and hugging the pitcher. I invite you to think about that for just a moment and of the reasons why it was unexpected. We wouldn't generally consider comforting someone who hurt us. We're taught to do the opposite. But in this example, the batter allowed action to flow from a place of understanding that the pitcher was suffering too. The batter risked being ridiculed for it, but he did it anyway. Pima Chodron, a Buddhist nun, you may have heard of her, says in her book, When Things, Are Falling Apart, when Things Fall Apart, the path of compassion is the path of cultivating human bravery and kindness. You may recall from the 2020 protests against police brutality that there was a time when the protesters stood in front of police to protect them from the other protesters. The risks in this example were considerable. Not only were the protesters risking their street cred, but also potentially their lives. And why? I would suggest that they did this because they recognized that although the police had been identified as the adversary, or maybe even the enemy, that they were still human beings who deserved protection. This is compassionate action. I would definitely define this as courageous compassion. Both the story about the batter and the protesters showed, um, showed people that compassion is more, than, is more important than pride and I'm hopeful that they encouraged others to act in the same way in similar situations. 
These examples of courageous compassion spawn something that I think will save the world. Contagious compassion. Let's spread that around so that it's everywhere, like glitter after a craft party. I encourage you to remember times when you have allowed compassion to move you to action. Reviewing this in your mind is a practice, and practice is vital to anything you want to have more of in your life. I do not in any way endorse the idea that practice makes perfect, but that practice makes real. By thinking about times when you are performing compassionate action, you are in a way comp practicing compassion in your mind. The more you do it, the more it feels like the right way to live. And how we think is how we are. As the Buddha said, all that we are is the result of what we have thought. What we think, we become. I have a couple examples of taking compassionate action from my own life that I'd like to share, and they span decades. The first two happened in my childhood. In the first example, um, I call this punching a bully in the stomach. I was in first grade and a girl on the playground was being bullied. I saw this and I walked up to the bully and I punched him in the stomach. The bully stopped being a jerk and I, of course, got in trouble. I'm not endorsing this kind of intervention. I'm simply acknowledging that it's something that I've experienced. And for the sake of clarification, I have now adjusted my approach to such situations. In example number two, um, I freed a bird from mud. As a child, my friends and I freed a bird, a bird stuck in the mud. Um, an interesting aside for this example is that it took place in the park that is next to the church where our Osha Mike leads our Monday night in-person meditations. That park was a sacred place to me as a child. You notice in these two examples that there was no forethought involved with the action. Children are known to do this, this type of thing. They just help when help is needed. They may be a bit reckless about it, as I was with the bully I punched, but children have a tendency to help people without judging first if someone deserves help or if there are consequences to giving it, they just act. The second two examples happened in my adulthood. Um, there was a time when I helped a couple times, but this is one specific example, helping at an accident scene. My husband and I stopped to help at an accident scene and we gave the help that we could. Many people had stopped to help. In instances like this, we often see many people offering assistance and sometimes we're more likely to do so when we see other people helping. That contagious compassion I spoke about earlier. So my next example, giving a stranger some water. This one is, is, requires quite a bit more explanation. I was at a show, um, music, in a music venue where there was a good deal of alcohol consumption. Uh, one individual was literally falling down drunk. Initially, when I saw him, I thought, this guy's going to cause a domino effect. He's going to tumble into the crowd and take everyone down. And I made eye contact with several other people, and we commiserated about how we envisioned this situation proceeding. After a few minutes, I realized that I was being kind of mean about it. Um, and then I remembered, hey, I'm a seminarian, and I'm also a fairly kind person. So I snapped out of that gossip mode, and I went to the bar, and I got the guy some water, and I gave it to him. After that, some other people followed suit, and they started to bring him water and checked on him instead of making fun of him. The act of handing him water sparked a better domino effect. It created that contagious compassion that I was mentioning earlier. Those helped in the story in these stories got into the situations they were in through various means. Some of them were more self-inflicted than others, which I no longer see as relevant. 
I do my best to operate under the theory that help is given where it's needed, not where it's deserved. After all, how would you define being deserving of help? These stories also contain some dangers. Were the, risks worth, were the risks worth it to me? You bet your ass they were. Because if no one ever takes action, then where will we be? In these situations, I didn't ask anyone who they voted for, or what they do for a living, um, and what they've, or what they've done in their lives to deserve the compassion. And we can all see it that way. We can all do it this way. We all probably have. Let's do it more. And just a side note from the first aid instructor in me, there are times when helping is not appropriate. Like when there's a down power line or a rabid wolf. Not sure how often that'll happen. Or, in, in my case, a creepy clown. You can't help if you're unconscious from one cause or another. Keep in mind that everyone has an origin story and suffering begets suffering. This does not mean that I in any way condone harmful behavior. I feel it's important to emphasize that those who seem to lack compassion are the ones who need it the most. And I don't think there is anything more dangerous than a being that feels that they are completely without allies. In the Dragonfly Sangha, we've been taught a type of meditation that I would like to try at the end of this talk that I think helps to expand our compassion even into situations where we may not have historically felt that we could. Courageous compassion, as you may have deduced from the examples I mentioned today, is compassion in unexpected situations or provided to those we don't think deserve it. Compassion that happens where we think it ought not to, that dangerous should, S word, shouldn't. Is there a situation in which compassion should not happen? Are there people who don't deserve it? The more we make compassion unconditional, the closer we come to the true definition of compassion, which is to end suffering where no restrictions apply. There are so many ways we can work to help end suffering in the world. I truly believe that unconditional compassion will save the world. May we all find unconditional love within ourselves and deliver it to the world through acts of unrestricted compassion. May it be so.